He could see the restlessness and the anxiety in their eyes. The world and and their world was brimming with unrest and uncertainty. Tension was all around them. The rabbi, Jesus, looked at his closest friends. He drew his closest followers in the unhurried Messiah, slowed them down. He huddled them together. He quieted his voice and he said this to them. Don't let your heart be troubled. It was a peculiar statement at that particular moment because there was plenty of reason to be unsettled. Don't let your heart be troubled. See, Jesus knew that he was only hours and days away from the time that his life would be taken. This was the passion week. And yet his words to his followers in that moment of anxiety was this. Don't let your heart be troubled. Those are the words of the one that we celebrate this Christmas season. The savior of the world who came as a child. The king who was long expected and yet did almost everything he did in an unexpected way. The prince of peace who speaks hope into the midst of our trouble. Jesus does not promise you or I a life or a path free of trouble, but he promises us one thing. He'll go with us. Amen. Good morning, everyone. It is such a joy and a privilege to be with you. Um, It is an honor to be here uh, among friends and and to get to know more and more of you. And uh, our key verse today is from this passage in John 14. John 14, 7 says this, Peace I leave with you. This is Jesus talking to his followers in that same moment. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Don't let your hearts be troubled. And do not be afraid. That's John 14, Verse 7. As Pastor Josh mentioned, we're continuing in your series, A Weary World Rejoices, looking at the way that Jesus meets us in the midst of our challenges and our struggles. Uh, we're the Needhams, as was mentioned before. Our name's Andy, this is Bethany. And uh, we, this fall, actually just a few weeks ago, we got to celebrate 21 years of marriage together, which is an awesome thing. That's great. I know you're trying to do the math of how old we were. We were. Uh, I was 21, she was 18, uh, and our parents fully approved of it. So that's the other thing I tell my own kids now. Uh, now um, but not only do we get an early start with uh, getting married young, but five months into this young marriage, trying to find our way, trying to figure out how to set up a house, trying to figure out what work looks like, growing up together, literally, we found out that our family was going to be growing. We found out that we were expecting. And so five months into that young marriage, we found out that, and nine months after that, we welcomed Josiah, our son. Uh, and then two years later from that, Mercy, our, our daughter. And I want to share with you a, a family Christmas photo. This is from a year ago last year. Uh, this is our, our, our crew, that uh, really tall guy next to me. That is, that is my son, if you can believe that or not. Uh, Josiah will turn 20 in this upcoming February. Mercy turns 18 in just a couple weeks in January. And uh, I got to make sure that I mention uh, your favorite member of the family that's in there as well. Which... Oh, Fenway. She's my favorite child. That's, that's the doodle. <laughs> somebody, somebody told us this when we were uh, entering into the phase of life of having teenagers. They said, you get a dog so that when you get home, someone's always happy to see you. So, 
And I think that that's proven true. Uh, so anyway, today we're going to look at um, our hope amid our struggles. And sp- specifically, we're going to talk very openly today about um, mental health. And so we figured, you know, I told Josh, give us 30 minutes. We can cover everything that there is to cover in this topic. We'll knock it out of the park. There'll be nothing else to talk about. No, that's not going to happen today. <laughs> we're just going to be able to kind of dip into, the, into this. And I want to say this really clearly today. What we come here today, not as experts, not as people that have, you know, went away to school and studied all these things, but really as people who have walked a road, practitioners, people who have walked a particular road, a unique one to us, but hopefully God has taught us and showed us and revealed to us some things through his people, through his word, uh, and just through our marriage and our family that can be helpful to some of you. And I want to, I want to say today that for all of us here today, no matter what your challenge is, that there is hope in Jesus. There is hope in, in Jesus. Now, mental health is not really a singular topic. It's really a vast mosaic of realities, all right? That's a, a large umbrella, and there's a lot of different things that come underneath it, dozens and dozens of unique realities. And I created this word cloud of just things that I found as I looked up this idea of mental health, and there's, there's way more than could be contained in this, but there's all of these different realities and these words and these phrases and common terms that are in some way connected to mental health. And today we're going to just share our little aspect of that. But we recognize that here today that there's probably people that have things that are on this screen and things that are even beyond that. And uh, we hope to be able to speak to those things with some grace. So we'll start today by sharing some of our story, Bethany. Yeah, so um, I was talking with Andy before we came, and I'm like, there really isn't one photo that could capture everything, Um, especially in our story. The original photo, um, our one next to the Christmas tree there, I feel like it's that photo you look at, and you wouldn't necessarily look at that photo and think, that looks like a family that deals with some serious mental illness. (laughs) Or maybe you do. That's fine (laughs) if that's what you thought. (laughs) But, um, and again, I don't think... um, um, like like all of you, I would think in this room, there's there's photos like this that make the frame or the Insta story, whatever it is. Um, and then there are other moments that don't necessarily make that highlight real. And so these next couple of photos, though they don't tell the whole story, I um, we wanted to share with you as kind of a glimpse into a little bit of our story um, just over these last years. And so it's, uh, if we can show the pictures uh, here behind me, um, if you can't tell from where you're sitting, these are, these are pictures within hospital rooms. Uh, there's Andy's feet, so, so nice. <laughs> um, and then this next photo is of our son that we mentioned. Um, his name is Josiah. And so if you would uh, bear with me as mom, we're going to share really, um, gosh, just going to start out rough. Uh, we've not done this really together in a room, but I definitely feel like this is something God's called us to do. So uh, I very much remember it being the middle of the night one night and being jolted awake by my then 16-year-old son. He was visibly upset, crying, almost hysterical. It took me minutes before I could finally get him to tell me that he had just taken the entire contents of his pill bottle. And without much discussion between us, we jumped into action. Uh, The 911 call, packing a hospital bag, uh, keeping eyes on Josiah to make sure that he was safe while we waited for help to arrive. 
And part of why we didn't need a lot of discussion between us before we stepped into motion is because this was not our first time. Um, it wasn't even the first time for us that our son had attempted to take his life. And um, so there, there were processes in place, not processes you ever wanted to have in place, but they were there. But really, our journey with Josiah's illness started when he was a really little boy, somewhere around three or four years old. And as a mom, uh, a brand new mom for me, barely 20 years old, rocking a newborn baby, I didn't ever imagine that my story would include um, having to, res- to restrain my child when he was bigger so that he wouldn't harm himself or cutting off the sleeves of his shirts uh, to keep him from chewing them off of his shirt. And I didn't picture when I was nursing that baby sitting next to him as an adolescent as he faced assault charges for hurting me in one of his manic outbursts as a kid. There, There are things that I had never heard of when I was a young mom that now almost feel normative in our household. Things like having a locked safe in the kitchen where we keep our knives and our medicine. Um, Terms like wraparound care or suicidal ideation. I had never heard of or knew the difference between inpatient treatment facilities and outpatient treatment facilities. Um, And to be honest, for many years, Uh, for me, I would go to bed at night, and I know there's that sense, and we talk about it as moms, like that fear of what if something happens, and especially when they're babies, right, and they breathe too quietly, and you go and like, are you breathing? Um, But I, I didn't imagine for so many years of Josiah's life having to at nighttime just surrender him back to God, because I didn't know if he would be alive when we woke up in the morning. And this was the journey that we were on with Josiah. Now, I'll be honest, we have seen a lot of healing. God has done um, incredible things in our son's life. Andy mentioned that he's about to turn 20 years old. And I remember at his high school graduation a couple of years ago, I celebrated at every level because he was alive and because he graduated high school. And that felt in that felt like not a possibility for a lot of years. I had just kind of released that hope that that would ever be. And he did, he graduated. He's in college now. Um, He has a girlfriend. It's all of these things that I didn't necessarily even think would be, and this is kind of the place we're at. On the other side though, if I'm being brutally honest, which apparently we are today, this journey isn't over for us because we're, we're in this new chapter that I've never walked before of how to parent an adult with mental illness. And it's a totally different ballgame. I don't have communication with doctors anymore. I don't have control over taking medication or not, over therapy appointments. And this has been a whole new season of surrender and trusting God, not just if everything plays out how I want it to, but do I trust God that he is good no matter how Josiah's story plays out from this moment. 
Yeah, thank you, Bethany. I, I think that, you know, just to be honest too, there's a lot of layers of this and other aspects of this that we don't have time or may not even be appropriate to share here this morning. I mean, we have our, our own challenges in this. We have a daughter who's lived in, in this reality and had her own challenges as well. And, um, you know, we just want to just kind of be, be real about that. And we just want to share some things today, again, to kind of go back to where we started that I think um, hopefully no matter what your challenge is and struggle, even if your, your struggle is not in mental health, I think some of these things will really apply. But the truth is for all of us, whether it's your story, someone in your home, someone who's in your family, someone who's in your workplace, a friend, um, it's almost an inevitable reality that we're going to face some of these challenges today. So these are just some things that God has revealed to us. And um, Bethany, if you kind of unpack this first one, that we should, we should pray for healing, but we should pursue holistic health. What, is that, what does that mean? And what has that lesson been? Absolutely. This one is a big one for me. Andy mentioned, and we don't have time to unpack, but my son's mental illness is not the first that I have walked through as I come from sort of a history in my family. I grew up with parents with mental illness. I've had my own journey, continue to have my own journey with it. And because of that, I have been in a lot of different environments that teach a lot of different things about healing in this arena. I grew up in the church. I uh, was a pastor's kid. And for many years, I heard and believed this narrative that, you know, you just need to pray harder, (laughs) have more faith, and that God is going to heal you. And I absolutely believe in a God that heals. But I also believe that God created us as whole beings and that um, God is able to work in all different ways. I am actually, uh, I am now and have been for a couple of years a personal trainer, and I have spent a lot of time in the gym world. And in the gym world, I've heard the narrative of if you just eat a certain way, if you exercise enough, like you're going to feel better, this is going to make you better. Again, I think all of those things are helpful, but just sort of a piece of the bigger picture. Um, And so as I was thinking through this, I was thinking about the passage of where in scripture, when uh, literally they come to Jesus and what is the greatest commandment of all? And he brings out this to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. And that original passage in Deuteronomy, he's calling back from it actually says strength. It uses the word strength. And I've just been reminded um, that in this journey with mental health or mental illness, um, that God can work in, uh, that God can heal however God decides to heal, but also that he can work and that our healing journey isn't just necessarily praying more, isn't eating a certain way, isn't that all of those things can be helpful, but that looking at it, it's a whole picture and what God is able. And I would just say for me, a big step in that was re- recognizing that prayer is important, but so is taking my medicine every day because God has provided both of these as part of my own journey in, in healing. Yeah, I think was especially as we were walking through adolescence with Josiah, I remember talking to Bethany and we sit, sit down and we, we wore on our knees in prayer uh, over, I mean, both of our kids. Um, but I remember saying, you know, it's so hard because you're this this stage of life where you're so hard. You, you'll never know the answer to this question. What is the mental health challenge? What is normal adolescence? And what is that we're sinners? <laughs> you know, and this, this really this, this, those three things working together and just having to give that over to the Lord and say like, God, I trust you with this. We're going to do the best we can with what we have. Um, but we're going to walk that, walk that journey for sure. So 
No, absolutely. Um, this next one I would love to hear from you. One is because I feel like he has done an incredible job at this, and I've learned through Andy's life, but is this idea of embrace community over isolation. Yeah, I think that, um, not to stereotype too strong, but I do think as a husband, as a dad, like I think there's a particular type of, of shame that can come when your kids are, are struggling. I think it's unique for, for both of us. But, you know, the truth is in this world, the broken world that we live in, that all forms of suffering, whether it's things that we bring on ourselves, our own poor decisions, or things that we have no control over, that suffering often results in shame. And shame will often drive us to isolation. It'll drive us to away from, and, and what God has given us is a gift. And it's what are the, part of the beauty of what a church is supposed to be at its very best is a community of grace. And God has really just showed me um, that reality. And, you know, the scripture that we read today is, is like most of scripture. Like we, especially as Americans, we like to, we talk about a personal relationship with Jesus. And that's, that's great. Like God does love you individually. But God uh, also loves us in community. And the scripture itself was actually written to a community of people. And so I know this as a northerner, this is going to sound a little funny, but scripture was written in the y'all, all right? Pretty much that's how. So like our passage today, like if you were to read it, and this is going to sound like the southern new version, but it would be peace I leave with you all. My peace I give to you all. I do not give to you all as the world gives. Don't let y'all's heart be troubled and do not be afraid. But when you see that word you in scripture, which is over and over again, it really is actually speaking. Yes, it is for you, but it's also for the collective of us. And there's a gift that we sometimes overlook, and it's, it's a hard thing to pursue. Galatians 6.2 says this, to bear one another's burdens. And the question I'd have for you, which is a question that God's impressed on my heart, is who is bearing your burdens? Who is walking with you? And for me, you know, I got into my mid-30s, I've been in ministry, knew a lot of people, and realized I didn't have any close friends. Like people that were like the, I call them the 2 a.m. friends, the people that I could call on a night of emergency, a night of crisis, and be like, would you pray for me? Would you show up for me? And, and God has, there's a lot more to the story, but God has helped me kind of cultivate those type of relationships and those type of, of things. And one of the principles that goes with this for us, uh, I know today we're, we're being really maybe uncomfortably vulnerable with, for some of you, but one of the things that uh, you know, we like to say, it's kind of been a, a phrase that we've clinged on to a lot, is that everyone in your life can know that something's going on, but somebody or some people need to know everything. Now, the way that we can get this wrong is one of two ways. One is we don't tell anybody anything. And we just hold our issues and our struggles and our challenges to ourselves. The other issue, we see this sometimes, you know, the overshare on Facebook that's just like posting all their issues. Facebook's not the place to process your uh, mental health issues, okay? Um, but the truth is that everybody can, like it is appropriate in community, even in broader community, people that don't have the inner circle to say, you know what, our family is going through a lot right now. If you wouldn't mind praying for our kids, that would be a really important thing. There's some things that I can't share the details of, but, that's, but there need to be some people in your life that know the ins and the outs, the ups and the downs, that are willing to walk with you. And you're going to need to be those people for others as well. And that's a really, really important thing. Yeah, I've uh, spoken with my kids some about this because they are growing up in this generation of uh, the overshare. <laughs> and um, giving them sort of that freedom to be able to share their story, um, but also teaching them about the importance of the right people 
and having those right people in your life. And I'm a big kind of image. I learn a lot through like pictures. And I think a lot is scripture talks as us as believers as sheep. And I think a lot in general about sheep and how do wolves come after sheep as they first like to isolate the sheep. They like to pull them away from um, the pack. They're not a pack if they're sheep. The flock. Thank you. <laughs> so they pull them from the flock and then, and then they're able to attack because that sheep is alone and kind of encouraging our kids and myself remembering that when I start to feel that sort of shutting down, and I'll be honest, um, for me, that happened throughout our story, often right after a really severe episode uh, with our son. And part of it was emotional exhaustion. Um, And some of it, I used to call it like the hangover afterwards where I just couldn't even. And I knew, I started to read it in myself in that moment where everything in me was like, you know what, you've been through a lot, just go sit on the couch, turn on Netflix, whatever, like all of these things that were all about isolating that I needed to push through that and be like, I need, to, I need to phone a friend. Like, I need to call that person in to this space because I can't let the enemy isolate me, especially now um, when I'm weak and I'm wounded and, and I don't even know what to pray. <laughs> Sometimes you just need somebody that can pray when you're like... I don't have words. I just need somebody, somebody here. So that's, it's a big one. I think of uh, one night where we had a situation with Josiah and some friends showed up and they just took our daughter, took her for a ride. You know, those type of things are really, really powerful. Yeah. I mean, again, we, there's way too much to share in one time, but I, the, the one thing that has been a gift, but I, I challenge you that it's, it's required pursuing those people is inviting people into it and letting them serve you in those moments and letting them come alongside you. And yeah, how they've served our family, um, prayed over us. It's huge. So, uh, the next one, another big one, which I'm going to let you speak to while I calm my emotions is suffering is a part of my story, but it is not my identity. Yeah. This is a passion point for me. And, um, I think a beautiful thing about the emerging generation, Gen Alpha, Gen Z and, and millennials, we're vintage millennials. We barely make the past line, but um, is that transparency and vulnerability and authenticity are really high values. And I think that's a really, really good thing. Um, you know, today, I don't, I mean, I didn't grow up in a church where we had a great church, but we never talked about these kind of things. And so I think it's a really good thing that we have the type of space to do that. And I have a freedom as a, you know, I'm in full-time ministry. I get to serve a network of churches and it's not taboo for me to say I've had counseling and I've had therapy. Um, you know, those things are, I think it's really good. But the, the thing is, um, that I think we have to be really careful of here. This is where it can go, like go sideways is that when our pain and our suffering or our struggles become, our identity. It is, it is always going to be a part of my story that I've walked this road with my family. That is not a, a, a thing of shame. It's always going to be part of my story. It's always going to be part of Josiah's story. It's always going to be part of Bethany's story. But I, I speak this over my son all the time, and, and he, God's given him a platform. You know, again, it's an imperfect, messy thing, but he's he has been an advocate for for mental health and, and spoken at his school and done other things. But I often tell him, like Josiah you're more than this part of your story. This is not your whole story. And the the thing that we need to remember, especially as people who follow Jesus, is that our struggles, no matter what your struggles are, they are a frame for the story of Jesus, the hope of Christ, 
the cross of Jesus Christ, the empty tomb, that our stories and our struggles, that they get to be, not, they're not to be hidden in a closet, but they're definitely not the centerpiece of the story. The centerpiece of the story is the suffering servant who came and transformed and made us new. And this is a thing. It also gives me permission not to be held captive. There's been times like we had, we've had a lot of little mantras and sayings, but because it's not the center of our story or our identity, there's times when we've had to say, look, we have to be concerned with the safety of everyone in our home. That was a conversation that we had a lot of times. And, you know, as we enter into adulthood uh, with Josiah, like we've uh, had this really important conversation with him in the last year. And we said this, like, you, we have very open channels of conversation with him. And we've had to say this, and this, I hope this is a gift to some of you, this, is that we will always help you in an emergency. We'll always help you in an emergency. But God has given us the discernment of what is help and what is an emergency. We will always help you in an emergency, but God has given us the stewardship of what is help and what is an emergency because not everything are we going to be able to do as we enter into this new season. John 13, 33, Jesus says this, I've said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart for I have overcome the world. Now, the last thing that we want to wrap up our time here today, Bethany talking about, uh, if you could unpack this for us, is this surprising ministry, the platform that we did not choose, but how suffering can be a surprising path to serve. Yeah, I've, um, anytime I've had the opportunity to share about mental health, one of the things I often say is, this is the platform I never wanted, (laughs) but here we are. I also, um, one of the things that has become a constant saying in in my life is that when when I surrender this story to God, that God never wastes. He he just doesn't waste. And Second Corinthians uh, chapter one, um, I just want to read for you a couple of verses. Uh, in verse three and four, it says, "Praise be to God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion." And the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. I could not begin to relay the amount of conversations and stories and just uh, open doors to conversations with almost complete strangers that God has used this story of ours to uh, to allow me to share about the hope that I have in God and everything from our our next door neighbor and who is is not a believer, but when their kids hit adolescence started facing some of the same challenges we've walked through and how quickly they were to call us <laughs> and be like, okay, I just need help. I like I don't know what's going on. And I have coworkers in my job right now. I work in an animal hospital, and not one coworker is a Christian. But in the short time that I've been there, I've had probably half a dozen conversations with coworkers whose kids, who themselves are walking through battle with mental illness, and God using this story again to. Um, give me the opportunity to share my faith in an environment in a space I wouldn't otherwise necessarily have had. And the last one I could think of is this moment. Like, if you um, if you had told me in years ago in moments sitting in an ICU for days and days and days, just crying out to God, 
um, for my son that someday God was going to take that and set us on a stage where we would be able to share what God has done in his faithfulness, in his goodness, in our family. I don't know that I could have heard you in that moment, but again, in, in, as time has passed and surrendering this story back to God, like, God, I honestly, to this moment, I'll be honest, not my choice, um, but God, you're good, and I'm just, I'm going to trust you not to waste this, even a moment of it, and I've seen it again and again and again, and I trust, I don't think he's done. Again, I don't think he's done in Josiah's life. I think there's more story that God is writing, and as we continue to give it back to God and trusting that God does not waste. Yeah, and I just want to, again, just reiterate, I know some there may be people here whose story didn't even turn out the same way as Josiah's, um, and that could be a very difficult thing. And I just pray that God would, would meet you uh, in this conversation. I want to just close with the last couple of verses here from 2 Corinthians 1, uh, and then have a word of prayer, and we'll continue. Uh, this is what it says. For just as we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ, so also our comfort abounds through Christ. If we are distressed, it's for your comfort and salvation. If we are comforted, it's for your comfort, which produces in you a patient endurance of the same sufferings that we suffer. And our hope for you is firm because we know that just as you share in our sufferings, so also you share in our comfort. Would you pray with me? God, we thank you for this opportunity today. We thank you for the hope that is Jesus. We thank you that a weary world has been provided an everlasting love through you. And God, we thank you. We thank you for the work you've done in our lives, for Josiah. We thank you that you've been working redemption. And you'll continue to do that imperfectly. We'll walk the crooked path with you. God, we pray, God, for each person here, every story you know, every struggle you know, every circle of family, friends, coworkers, you know. And God, we pray, God, that as a community, that we would be those people that show up and bear one another's burdens, that we wouldn't make our sufferings the center of our story, but we would center our stories and our identity on who you are, Jesus. We thank you for the hope, an everlasting hope. Jesus, you look at us and you say, do not let your hearts be troubled. It's in your great name, the matchless name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.